Welcome to Best Boys, a film podcast. An amateur film study podcast for the average Joe, the buffest buffs, and the cringiest bingers. And we're solving mysteries today, and I'm your host, JP, joined by my brother, professional Hollywood videographer. Detective Corey with a story, here to solve another crime. Detective bad movies. Corey. <laughs> yeah. Solve the crime with some good movies. Probably good movies today. Well, that, yeah, this is week good movies, but yeah, we always got to figure out why those bad ones are so bad. Sometimes you got to get real in the shit to figure it out. So yeah, um, we got a, a Finchy. You know, people like to say uh, Lynchy to describe David Lynch stuff. Like, oh, this is very Lynchy or Lynchian. I think we need to yeah. to make uh, a thing. This is very Finchy. Mm. Very Finchian. Very, well, that was a, yeah. I was gonna say it's a very Finchian idea. It was a Finchian way to do it. It sounds more regal and like fucking fancy and shit. I it's like very it. Finchy. Um, but yeah, we're doing. We're back with old old Finchy, old Fincher. Um, we were kind of at a loss for what to do this week. We're in between um, some planned episodes. And, uh, and yeah, we were going to do West Side Story this week, but we found out it wasn't going to be on streaming till the 2nd of March of 2022. Um, so we were, we needed something to scramble quick. Uh, so we, uh, perused the streaming sites to see if there was something that we could find that it could be easily accessible to our audience here. And we found two classics. Um, and these were core. It's actually Corey's choice. Um, of Seven and uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by uh, David Fincher. Um, so before we get into that, um, do you have anything that you want to, you know, any new updates? Any Anything you want to tell anybody about? What's new? Um, Scooby-Doo? Nothing really, nothing really new now. Um, I'm back in Pittsburgh, just hanging out, back writing again with my, my writing partner now that Rough Pants has died down and um yeah just waiting for work uh next week go back out and do some more bts while the idol finishes up and uh after that i think i have another show but i don't know the name of it yet and it's more of like a reality thing but it's still doing bts but more more to come on that later well that's Uh, that's fun and exciting fun and exciting um so today what is your uh so we probably briefly touched upon this um, in the Mank episode, um, but what is your experience with the Finchmeister? Uh, looking back at the filmography, I have seen way more of his movies than I thought I had seen. Because um, yeah, he's like low key a part of a, like a lot of a big movies of the nineties and two yeah. thousands. Yeah, not even realizing it. Like Alien Three, I've seen. Um, that's the, probably back his, when it was, that's probably his we worst kids, one. But, Oh, for sure. Uh, my, I mean, uh, it's not the worst Alien movie, but it is his worst movie, probably. Yes, absolutely. Um, but Seven, Seven was on my list of ones I hadn't seen, but I had always heard people talk about it. We, I joked with you before we started about how I got this movie and Lucky Number Seven confused growing up. Oh, uh, <laughs> just for, it's you know Sevens in the name. I feel like, I don't know, I feel but like I always just, nobody remembers that movie, so it's it's uh, I, good yeah, that you it's did weird. It's for history's sake. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know Josh Hartnett. Really 
I remember that everybody was yeah. really into Josh Hartnett, and then all of a sudden the dude just disappeared from being in movies and television. Um, and I wondered, I want to know why. That's uh, someone needs to get down, get to the bottom of that case. Um, I mean, I think it was one of those like put all their money in to be like the next action hero or like you know trans not transporter but like that kind of movie guy. And it just, I don't think he did those. He never did the action action movies. That's definitely that was, was not his that thing. Movies. I was like, that movie's pretty. Uh, what? What are you talking about? Lucky number seven. Oh yeah, that was like the own. That was like one of his the more. Because you know what I always mix that movie up with is Smoke and Aces. Uh, do you remember Smoke and Aces? Vaguely, vaguely. Uh, uh, I know that uh, Jeremy Piven was in it, but honestly, don't remember who anyone else. They're all trying. It's like a bunch of uh, like um, hitmen. They're all trying to kill. Jeremy Piven. Um, uh, yeah, okay. I vaguely remember it now, yeah. I don't remember anyone else who's in it. I know there's other famous people in it, but that's all I remember. Okay, let's stop talking about that. No. <laughs> let's <laughs> no stop talking Piven. about Josh Hartnett as well. And um, so for me, I have seen almost all of his films. The only ones I have not seen are The Game, and believe it or not, I have not seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Butt Cheeks. Really? Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I just I missed it when I it was the thing, that. and then I think like now it's so old that the C, the CG doesn't look as good, and mm-hmm. um like the effects don't look as good, so I'm like not dr- drawn to go back to it. But now I you know if I I don't really have any other choice. If if David Fincher puts out a new movie, we're probably gonna have to do Benjamin Button because I haven't seen anything else. <laughs> I've seen everything else. Um, <laughs> um, well, I too have not seen the game, so. We well, can do what, that instead. <laughs> what um, what else, What are you missing out of all these? Uh, right now, after this week, I'm missing the game, Zodiac, and Gone Girl. Oh wow, Gone Girl's good. Well, some people I think in the modern era would probably consider Gone Girl one of their favorites, but I think a lot of people don't realize that that he also did Fight Club, uh, and Seven. Yeah, I. I uh, like I knew him as the Fight Club guy at the time, but for some reason there was this disconnect recently. Like uh, starting with like watching Mindhunter, that like oh that's the same guy. Um, for some reason, I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know if I got the name of the book author like Chuck Palahniuk confused with it or or what. But yeah. Um. So <laughs> David Fincher definitely has a very distinct style, and he likes to make his movies about similar things. Um, a lot of them are crime films, Myst- either they're mysteries or crime related films, you know, um, definitely Panic Room, Zodiac, Zodiac is a mystery, um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a mystery, Gone Girl is a mystery, Seven is a mystery, The Game I don't know, uh, but sounds fucking mysterious, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> The uh, Fight Club is probably one of the ones that isn't really. It's crime-ish, but it's mo. It's more. Uh, it's own more kind of its own thing. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he has some range, obviously, with Mank and Benjamin Button and um, the Social Network. And some people consider the Social Network the best film of the last decade. Um, how do you feel about that? I've only seen it once. I've only seen it once back when it came out, and I remember like it being really good, and I remember it being a big deal that Trent Reznor did the score, um, and I remember being into that. But I, I'd have to rewatch it to give any uh, thing. I just remember Jesse Eisenberg was like such a dick in that movie. I remember it being good, but I also remember like is like not a story that I want to go back, really care to go back to. 
Um, yeah, I think yeah. Some people, it's it's a very uh, like touchstone, cultural touchstone uh, movie for the early 2010s. Um, it's straight up like ushered in the decade. It is kind of we know at the time. Uh, I don't want to get too much into social network, but at the time. I think Facebook was only, you know, it was just reaching its popularity, you know, it was just like just getting to like its huge, huge mega thing beyond just like college kids. And then they made this. So it's like, it felt like it was too premature. Like I would have loved to seen, seen the movie made as like a more of a biopic uh, later in life. And um, so I think it was like, I felt weird about it at the time. Like, the, like they made this movie they, too early. Um, but it's definitely super good. So I think it was just me being young and, and not seeing the forest for the trees a little bit. Um, that's what I think too. It's like, I wasn't old enough to really pay attention to why I liked it or what made, what makes it so good. So Um, I just actually noticed this now as a David Fincher also directed some music videos. Uh, he directed express yourself for Madonna Vogue for Madonna, which is one of her probably classics. Janie's got a gun for Aerosmith. Um, there's a Michael Jackson song. Um, and then suit and tie for Justin Timberlake and Jay Z from 2013. That is a song that is kind of lost. Uh, that was a hit that didn't take. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think it's super. And obviously, we mentioned Mindhunter. I think he's also involved in that Love, Death, and Robots show. Um, that's like mm-hmm. an anthology thing. Mindhunter is excellent. If you're really into David oh, Fincher films, so um, it is basically that, but longer. Less dark. Like it's dark, but less rated hard. Like hard rated R. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, super, super good if you're into these like investigation and like the evolution of um, investigated. Uh, investigation tactics and whatnot, but all right, uh, that's I feel like that's a good primer for the Finchmeister. Do you you have anything else you want to add? Uh, also, see Mindhunter because it's shot in our hometown of Pittsburgh. That's right. That's right. I, I get off on that. Um, but all right, so let's start with seven. I think that makes the most sense with this pairing. Um, so mm-hmm. seven is super interesting because it is like Fight Club everybody talks about Fight Club and the Fight Club is definitely probably his biggest movie in terms of like cultural presence and staying power and just like whatnot but i would say that 7 is probably his second um a social network is probably arguably maybe his second but i would like before like not thinking about that 7 is totally um the movie that like the big ass 90s movie it's one of the movies i think of when i think of 90s films like probably like in the first five, because um, it's so quintessential. Especially, uh, this is definitely one of the earlier films. This is 1995, um, and it's one of the earlier films that kind of have that. I always associate it with the late 90s, uh, but that like dirty, grimy, like green. Everything's fucking green, like colored dark, like gray and green. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like uh, the same yeah. thing in Requiem for a Dream, The Matrix, um, fucking Fight Club has the same look. Um, mm. like there is this, that grimy, like apartment look in, uh, in the late nineties. And I, and I feel like this is a, a film that kind of, um, maybe, uh, inspired some of that. Like, I think it's one of the first ones of that wave, if that makes sense. I'm sure there's something else I don't, mm. I'm not thinking of, but, um, this is one of the earliest ones I can think of that really looks like that. Yeah. The, it is very much the, um, 
that whole grunge apartment look that you're talking about. Like, it, I, I can't think of specifics, but I just know the exact look and so many things that you've seen over the years. Um, yeah, the Matrix is like the. Every- no, I think the Matrix is one yeah, of the, yeah. the best examples because it's a little more bright because it's a lighter green, mm. but it's still dirty and green and like it's a very yeah like worn apartment worn apartment buildings um that are old um this yeah. is full of everything, those everything feels like dirty cement and wood and like the, dirty wood. the only apartment the, the only buildings that we see that don't look dirty are the apartments of the detectives um brad pitt and morgan freeman so so you've never seen seven before this no, this is the first time, and Crazy. didn't know what it was really the only thing I I didn't know what it was about, other than the whole "what's in the box" like memes for decades. Yeah, so that's what um, I knew about the associated with this movie was "what's in the box." I think it was like I love the '90s on VH1 or something that would like expose mm-hmm. me to a lot of like these things were important to if you were around during then, and like for things that I missed or I was too young to fully grasp. And so I had like the what's in the box was very much what I associated with this. And then I eventually saw it and um, it's just crazy, crazy good cast, crazy good acting. Um, it's, it's edgy, but it, it it's definitely super edgy. And I think in a way that um, maybe seems like it works here. But I think that the style, mm-hmm. there's a reason why they people got away from this kind of style, I think, over the years. It's, it's very, um, it's like brutal and intense. It's like over the top to a degree. Uh, it feels like mm-hmm. a, com- a very much like a 90s comic book. Um, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, I think that's kind of how a lot of these films feel. It feels real and dirty and not, like nothing's clean and, and whatnot, but it also feels very stylized and like over the top to a degree. That, uh, yeah, I yes. was liking with like edgy comic books. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about the uh, a lot of the gore effects in this, specifically the fat guy um, for the gluttony murder. Like it's it's um, the colors that are used and it almost come off as a little bit not cartoonish, but they it, like it for how dirty and grimy the room is. It kind of stands out a little bit as as more over the top uh, um, or just something that's a little more just like. Not as grounded, not as realistic looking, but it's just it 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 works in such a way that everything is just kind of like repulsive at the same yes, time. Yes, it like makes it, it, it makes all... everything in all these apart these apartments look like it's just covered in filth. Like even yeah. even Kevin Spacey's character, John Doe's apartment that we see, yeah, it's like not dirty if you look hard, but for some reason because it's so old and it's dark and like the the way the lighting is and like these mm. there's a lot of ominous glowing reds and from like weird neon lights in multiple scenes, um, yeah. and it just makes this it makes everything look just grimy, just covered in grime, um. And it's it's super cool. I think it is a super cool look. It's iconic. It has obviously been done uh, a lot uh, enough that we've coined it as an aesthetic before we even got to this episode. Um, but I think that's why because it works so well. And I mean, again, like I said, they got away from they've gotten away from it. Um, but uh, but when you know, it it just it like it really works. Um, yeah, and to the, to that, I wanted to speak real quick about the lighting of it because the the lighting of this movie, I went back and forth with on like settling into how if if I liked it and it worked with it or not. 
because um, starting it's starting in the beginning, you have a lot of that more like how you and I talk about how Lynch lights are sort of more like theater lighting, where there's a lot of top light from lights that we don't see or don't have true motivation or whatever, just at like kind of what we would call ambient light, mm-hmm. um, uh, adding into things, and it's like those kind of things kind of take me out of the greediness. But at the same time, this movie being at 95 is right at the turn of where that style of lighting is starting to like fall out. Cause even if going from this to fight club, it's interiors go a lot more for just the big source through windows and less of a little less of that. Almost. Uh, it, it's interesting watching this change. Um, and I'm almost curious at how much more grim and brutal this movie would look and come across. And if the things like the, some of the gore that's a little over the top would come as a lot more realistic and gross if it had more of that, like super dark, like it's only the lights that are. See, I I, I disagree with this pretty strongly because I think the movie is incredibly dark. Like it is all the a lot it's of the like, main it, scenes are very very dark, um, especially the 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 gluttony one, um, and like the one in his apartment. Like I think that the mm-hmm. they're very dark, and I think that's what adds to. The like your eyes are putting like a more of a texture on it than it's even that's even there, um like those like the grain and the darkness, um you're just like your imagination's almost working at like what's lurking in the background kind of thing, um uh, yeah I think that the the I like the way the lighting is I, I like I I kept I literally said out loud at one point this movie is so dark, um. And because it is, it, uh, and even when it's daytime, it's it this the world is gray. It's always raining. If it's not raining, it is completely overcast. Like there is no outside light, <laughs> hardly. Yeah. Um, and so there's like a lot of lamps, uh, uh, or like like I said, those neon red. Like um, in Kevin Spacey's apartment, there was like the neon red cross, and I think in the mm. um, I don't uh, I don't want the brothel place with the lust uh, prostitute. It there was like these red neon bars on the floor that were like bringing this red glow up from the ground, um, and it was very like it was definitely over the top, like almost like a Blade Club, like a club, a vampire club, and Blade. You know what I'm talking about. But I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And the Blade is another movie that has this kind of aesthetic um, as well. Uh, like it's dirty and grimy, and um, it's a little goth. I you know, a little bit goth kind of, um, but not too much. Like not overt. I don't know. I don't. I so, I think that it works for this film a lot. It's it's dark, but I think if that's uh, which I think isn't is a valid gripe, but because you can't see everything, but I, I think it's definitely intentional in a way to create this this atmosphere yeah so i'm looking at the stills from the this scene specifically because everything that is exterior in this movie and everything that is not on a sound stage has that exact dark that i agree with you with that it works super well it's just the sound stage scene specifically um it's just because it's an older way of they did lighting back then uh, that everything always has this like light from the top and even though it is super dark and all that you can still see most of what the room is and what it entails versus like like in the gluttony room like you've got the the lamps illuminating and you've got their flashlights illuminating which alone would still create a lot more darkness but then you have this this ambient top light overhead just kind of hitting everything else to kind of help bring it up and i'm curious what i was just saying was like i wonder how much more gritty or whatever it would feel if it went for more of how like even if you look at like the girl with the dragon tattoo how they do the lighting uh when they get their really super dark scenes how they're still like 
that look, but also a lot of Fincher I, style. Yeah, I think that movie, the girl there. with the dragon tattoo, overall is a lot brighter. So I, I don't, I don't agree with. I'm that. talking about the not, oh, no, not overall tone. I'm talking about specific scenes that have like the dark aesthetic. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll show you some screen grabs uh, later today in person. I feel like if you uh, have to do that, then it's not that big of a deal. No, like, it's not. It's just like what you're like. I'm looking at it from a gaffer and a in a in a cinematographer of of the different lighting stuff versus just like the how just overall is portrayed and looks. It's, I, it's, I, it's as, I, as I, an I average it's Joe, where, the lighting looks good. Uh, that's what I'm. No, saying. I'm not saying it looks bad. I'm talking about just different lighting techniques, like different ways of doing it. And yeah, the, but the you're saying that it could that have been done better. That's what you said multiple no, I, good I, few I, times. I didn't, didn't say it would look better either anytime yeah, i said you that, said that it, would be, it, would, it would be better I said, i'm it, curious what it would look like if it went how modern gritty goes because um it was how like if it would have the same like if i'd have the same reaction to how some of the um the effects are done with like the the gore and stuff it would it feel as over the top or would it feel more um like realistic and grounded is what i said um it's not about better yeah this is strictly just talking about two different ways of lighting something um yeah i i like the way that it's lit i like i like i like yeah, all I'm, the flashlights and i like the i like the darkness um like it feels dark and but i you know you can still see some things um but yeah a lot of these scenes just feel dark it's a lot of lamp lit shit um just like all the uh, the pictures that i'm pulling up for the the video um it's all dark. And like there's a lot of lamps, like lamps on the walls, lamps on a desk, flashlights. Yeah, but a lot of stuff, nothing, a lot of the stuff on the edges, nothing goes true black. And there's always this like light from the top that's, um, very, it's just an ambient thing. It's like, uh, yeah, the dark is subtle... in the, the dark is in the bottom and in the centers. Like, like right now, the, like the edges, there's a shot right here. It's like the dark is all around. There's almost like a vignette. Because the bookcases in the apartment are all dark colored, so you can't the light's not really bouncing off of them. Yes, versus now in like a modern thing on a stage like that, you would just have it be lit. Where, especially with something like Euphoria, working on that, which is a very dark show, um, it's just a lot, they do a lot of single source, is what it's called, where you just have one big light that's coming in from a window or a or a singular lamp or something that lights it up, and it gives you that very uh dark and grim like first reform does that on a lot of their night interior things um for like something more modern that does it but first uh, reform has a lot of lamps like there's a lot of yeah but it has a lot of lighting from is what i'm talking about so this has multiple yeah there's like multiple lamps and all these but i think that what they do is they add together and give this like ambient glow yeah this, like creepy ambient here. glow um, but it's still dark. It's not like filling in all the darkness. Like you can't see everything. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I'm just saying the, uh, it's two different like ways to light a scene that changes like a lot. It would change a lot. And it's not about what's better words. I was just curious of what it would be looking like, like shot more modernly and more modernly lit. Um, I think it, it I personally think that it would different. take away from the style. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that I think that that this is like part of that is what makes this. I think um, it kind of reminds me of uh, not just the not the lighting, um, but the look of it overall. It's kind of in the lineage of Tim Burton films, like the Tim Burton Batman's, 
or yeah. something. Yeah. Like Gotham. I, I think I, I think maybe that is maybe a progenitor for the, some of this. And I'm sure we could keep going backwards. Um, even uh, I honestly reminds me of what's his name's apartment and uh, taxi driver. It's more lit up because that movie's during the day. Robert De Niro's apartment, but that mm. is like a, one of those run down old, uh, dirty ass apartments. Like that, his apartment looks the exact same as some of these others from these movies. Um, mm. so it's just like it's just an it's just an aesthetic. Um, but um. I wanted to ask you, is this movie supposed to be set in New York? Because it doesn't officially say where it's set, but it's shot in Los Angeles. Um, um, I think that it's just supposed to be the big city. Um, and yeah. he references that that uh, Brad Pitt is from California. He calls him California, I think, at one point. Um, mm. But I don't know if it is explicit. Did you look at the the wiki or, or anything? I, I, d- didn't I did, it. yeah. It's... It's not, uh, they don't mention it anywhere there other than the writer said he wrote this after living in New York for a year. It's um, all, and it seems to be New York, but yeah, we're, we're not, but then you sure. end we up just... in the desert at the end in Lancaster or Lancaster, California. So that's why it's like, is it, or is it not? Cause it, all the rain, it doesn't rain in California. So it's like the, that's what made me think like, maybe this is supposed to be just like a generic New York. Yeah. It's, I think it's just some, a, a, like a, yeah, your placeholder big ass city because you're like yeah. you said it has elements of New York, has elements of L.A. Um, mm. So what? Um, so there's a lot of things that are pretty classic about this movie. The seven deadly sins motif is the biggest one, uh, which is what it gets its namesake. Um, and you kind of go through the film finding the victims of the serial killer and and the the they're associated with a specific sin and. Um, yeah, I thought, I think that's all done well. I think it's, it maybe comes off today a little bit. There isn't so much seven deadly sin stuff. Um, and the lot, there's literally an anime called seven deadly sins. Um, that maybe it doesn't seem as profound, but I think at the time and just like, you know, the, they're talking they're they're, he's having, there's a scene where he has to get cliff notes for like Canterbury tales and um, a bunch of these like like old literature that references what he's talking about and like religious stuff and um, like it's definitely trying to be a little heady and and that's the whole character of uh, Somerset is that he is like this old grizzled veteran detective but he's also um, intelligent and he's and he uses you know psychological and more scientific and more uh, modern techniques. Um, for catching serial killers, and honestly, a lot of what Somerset is trying to push is shit that they is what Mindhunter is is about. I don't know if you mm-hmm. put that together. Um, oh, for sure. That they're like resisting but, his new uh, science college man techniques. Um, yeah, it's still the nineties. Like the first scene too, and it's the nineties. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas, uh, you know, Mindhunter is in the seventies, right? Um, I think I believe so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's definitely a thing that David Fincher is interested in is like law enforcement techniques. He's obviously super into serial killers and, um, and just catching, um, killers. Mm. Um, so we can go through the cast. Brad Pitt is, uh, detective David Mills. He's like the young hotshot trying to make a name for himself. And Morgan Freeman is William Somerset. Gwyneth Paltrow plays, uh, Brad Pitt's wife, Tracy and Kevin Spacey plays John Doe. And I wanted to, uh, this is probably one of the most infamous Kevin Spacey performances. It's probably, um, it's also probably one of the, his stronger ones. Um, 
Uh, this, so I wanted to know is does Kevin Spacey's personal life uh, uh, in hindsight affect how the serial killer comes off to you? Because when I first saw this, it was before that shit happened. So um, I was curious if that like added an, a sense of of real um, um, real horror to it. No, uh, no, not necessarily. But it was at the, at the end when he does die. It was like it was very like you know it feels extra good uh, for it to happen. You know to get some just desserts. But no, I I I, I didn't really like think about it at all during the movie. I just kind of got lost in into that whole ending. Um, he, from the time been... like he shows up at the end too, it's it's I... he's, he's he's a very dis... good actor, but it's such a terrible person. He's disappeared for a little while too, so I think it's kind of. And all things kind of fade. Not not like that it should. It just, you know, you don't think about it quite as much as you did a few years ago. Um, it kind of reminds... I only, I only bring that up because when we watched Lost Highway, I brought up how Robert Blake, who plays the, the mystery man with the white, fa- the pa- white painted face and how he's a real fucking murderer uh, in real life. And did that add... Does that add the creep factor to it? And with that movie, it certainly yeah. fucking does. That movie, mm. it somehow adds so much for me when I see it. I'm like, this movie is... Like, this man is the embodiment of evil. Which is what the yeah. character literally is. And it's just... It's, it's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, I was curious about that. Because um, this guy is definitely insane. Um, but he's he's super smart. And um, so about both these movies is a good time to bring up that David Fincher is definitely all about atypical ways to present uh, a story that you may be familiar with. Um, like uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, boy, you're, if you like a three act structure, you're, you're going to have a problem with that movie. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I liked it, but this, this doesn't go that far. Um, but you know, if you want the good guys to catch the bad guy in the end, um, it's not very fulfilling the bad, the good guy. Let me just spoiler alert. The good guys lose. Um, and the bad guy wins. And he gives him, and like it's it, even though he gives himself up in the end, it's just like he did it out of his own volition. It was all part of his plan to wrap up this, you know, his crime, his perfect uh, string of murders. Um, and I, I like that is I think what made this movie so impactful to the '90s audiences is because like there is not very many examples of um, a film like that does that, a story that does that at this point. Like I think we get a lot of them now, bad endings or conflicted, unfulfilling endings. Um, I was watching some things about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo from interviews from David Fincher, and he's like, they told me that I could do this weird, and I, so I said I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like I, he's like, I didn't want to just do a typical you know, kind of movie, and they said uh, a rated R trilogy, crime trilogy, he's like, I'm in. Um, but we'll get to that, um, later, but, uh, I don't know. What do you, what did you think about that? Like, it's that a, a, a big factor of what makes David Fincher's movies so, um, popular. Like they're critically, like critic, um, they're critically like, well, they're, they're critically viewed well yeah, and yeah. they're popular with regular people. And that is a space that only a few directors, I think, occupy. Yeah. Like your Tarantino. It's got yeah, it almost kind of reminds me with the Wachowskis how it was just about everything was just about how do we make this like not only as like deep but also like as cool as possible and it feels like be, he's flexing the creativity sense and how he can warp the presentation of the story 
but also you have all these like gripping things that a regular person would be into you know everybody can can connect to a murder mystery and be like on the edge of it but it's just how you weave that in and then you give them this kind of an ending uh and especially for that time it's right it's because your entire time you're gonna think what is you know what is the who's the last person what yeah, is the last you're thing like, yeah when the you... box shows up you're just like you immediately know what's in the box when it shows up but at the same time you have that uh, like hope it, it's so because it, it doesn't spell anything out but it's laid out enough that like at the end like i, I would assume everybody knows what's in the box um i honestly the first time i saw it i wasn't sure until uh morgan freeman like like falls back he's like oh my god yeah. and he's like don't come over here boy don't come over boy it wasn't until that that i on the first time i saw this i figured it out because like i yeah. uh, the only and like this time i noticed kevin spacey's like how's your wife doing david yeah that's what it that gave it away for me it was like i uh they dropped the wife he, like three times yeah, yeah like he says like something about his wife like multiple times, and then yeah, that's when it sets in. It's really good about breadcrumbing. This is it's not this is not a mystery that you can solve as far as who is the killer, but you can solve whose head is in the box um, at yeah. the end. And I think that like th- these are the things like it's a murder mystery, but what's pulling you along isn't who's the murderer. It or and then you so it's how they're going to catch the murderer, and then you realize that that's unfulfilled. Because the murderer gave himself up. There was no grand trap or something. You know, he even mentions like you didn't weren't yeah. were you gonna spring your trap on me? Like they were at his mercy. And uh and in the end, he still got he still manipulated them to get exactly what he wanted. Um, and they lost. You know, Morgan Freeman retires and uh they seem to insinuate that uh Brad Pitt doesn't go to prison, but I, I think you would be in big boy trouble. For murdering that guy, I, I think you could get off on because it's on his wife. Like the the it's the it, it, there's a an actual term for it, but it's essentially like a, an instant emotional response of insanity or whatever, where it just it there it is a thing where because of the extreme circumstances that is extreme, yeah, and he's pushed is, to yeah. that point. It, yeah, he is pushed. Yeah, but like, so he probably just Freeman's like right. lose his job. And that's it. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's definitely right, though. Like, yeah, yeah. If you kill him, he wins. And this is like, mm-hmm. you'll oh, be sure. a broken man. Like, you'll never be the same after that. And, um, so wh- what do you think about? So, obviously, Morgan Freeman, the, this is up there with like Shawshank as like, uh, one of his most famous performances, roles, I would say. He's in a, he's got a million great roles. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. Drive, Drive Miss Daisy's probably another one that I think of. Um, but, uh, but man, um, so he's great, obviously. And when we talked about Kevin Spacey, what did you think about Brad Pitt? Uh, so I wrote down and, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this, but this is meant to just be a joke, but it's, I wrote down that Brad Pitt came into this expecting, not Brad Pitt, but Detective Mills came into this expecting, um, lethal weapon and instead lost his wife. Uh, yeah, well, it's like, you can't, you can't be a lethal weapon cop. <laughs> in this kind of a world. And I think that's what it's, yeah, like you can't shoot, you can't punch your way out of this problem. Um, you mm. have to, to outsmart it and it's, you're just ill-equipped to deal with it. You are trying to handle things this, you know, the way, the way it usually is. And this is just not that way. Um, and yeah. those tactics are just not going to work. Um, cause he is very like, not eccentric, but like, like, um, 
like I would I would say it's like on one for the most of it because he's hyped up, he's new, he's well, excited. Yeah, he's trying to. Yeah, he's he's and, trying to. And he's worked in homicide before. He make he makes the point of telling us that several times. Yeah, but then Morgan Freeman's yeah, but, like, "You've never worked in the city. You ain't shit to yeah. me." <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I uh, about Morgan Freeman's uh, uh, Morgan Freeman's performance. Real quick, though, speaking of that, I had to settle into it. I'm not gonna lie, really? and it's not because it's it's not because it's bad. It's because <laughs> we've seen more. I, this is my first time seeing this movie, and I've seen Morgan Freeman in a million things up He's until now. Mostly and it's lovable, the, lovable, nice man. It's yeah, and it's you know, it's a God. lot. It's like how we say with with uh, is Nick Cage being Nick Cage, or is he acting or whatever, or like how they say that with certain actors. Um, Keanu Reeves is the same one, but this I just like kept hearing, you know, like March of the Penguins. Uh, style morgan freeman and then until i settled into it i was like man this just he doesn't sound intimidating he doesn't sound whatever but then but he's like, not supposed once to you be. get after yeah yeah you have to get the character but once you, yeah once you get it and it all makes sense and it's like oh no this is a perfect fit same with brad pitt once i was probably like half hour into the movie of like d- getting him and how he is everything just melded together and then also i just feel like the the look of this movie visually also takes off after the halfway point everything just looks so Pretty much from when they find John Doe's apartment on, everything I feel just looks so like more, I, so much I, more I, modern. I don't, of I don't, I, the gluttony scene is right in the beginning, and it looks so fucking wild. That's one no, of the no, scenes no, no. that stick to I'm me not, the most. Not, I mean, from just like a from like a like a shooting way, like the the way that they shoot the rest of the movie, it just feel, it just pulls constantly. Uh, to uh, keep that that ride from the uh, yeah the fucking the, the shootout the action picks the, up uh, is that if that's what yeah. you mean the action picks up yeah yeah like like how they shoot the rest of the movie from then on it's a, it, like it's the way less they... slow it's a less slow burn and becomes more uh, like the pace definitely picks up as the movie goes on mm. there is a specific yeah. shot that I know I have seen in other movies in the video games um, and it's and I'm not saying this is the first as always but he uh, Brad Pitt is chasing. Um, uh, Kevin Spacey, which we don't know is Kevin Spacey yet, and it's raining, and he's jumping like out. He's in like shoot. There's a shootout from like an apartment window, and he like jumps out on the fire escape and like tries to go swing around to another window, and the shot is like over his head, and it's down at the street, and you just see the rain going on the street. You see the cars. It's like this weird uh like angle. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. It's it's it's, it's right during whenever, all the um, shit you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Is it is this pre or post um, when they both like jump down and the fire escape ladder falls? Uh, well, and he, they're like, still uh, climbing. He's climbing. He's up. He's still up on the building. Oh, they're still uh, okay. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it just looks really. It looked really really cool. And he's like swinging around this ladder to get to this other thing, and you just the sh- it's a static shot of like it's angled but overhead in the street is like the cars are going and the rain and you see all the rain and it just like it it's like a vertigo inducing shot mm. um, all right i think I know what you're talking about and yeah. uh and it's almost it's not fisheye but there's something about it that feels like a surreal perspective um mm. and uh i just remember like exclaiming out loud that that looked cool and i know i've seen it before um in other movies um but yeah this stuff like that i noticed uh, as far as the shoot like the the shooting, the cinematography. Um, and yeah, this, this, this movie just has such a cool look. It's such a easy watch. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a classic. It is an all, it's definitely one of the best films of the nineties. Um, it is an all American classic. Um, and there's really, 
the only thing I could see someone having faults with it if they just not into the edginess, you know, if they're not into the idea of um like a woman being fucked by a man with a a, a knife dick, you know, like <laughs> that is something that happens in the movie. We don't see it, but they talk about it enough that it'll make your skin crawl. Um Yeah. They show the picture of the device. They did the device, and that's what it really got me. Um, Is just imagining that, and that's all you need to do for it to be uh, disgusting. Um, but um, but yeah, Uh, I don't know if I got really much else to say about this. Uh, it's it's just uh, it's an all American classic. Apparently, Al Pacino is considered for the Detective Somerset role. That would have been interesting. That I don't. I feel like would he just do Pacino? I'm guessing. He would just yeah, be, probably. That's what he'd probably normal. fuck it up. Uh, Denzel and Sylvester Stallone also turned down the role of David Mills. Interesting. Denzel later would... regrets turning down the role. Yeah, I can see that. Also, I think Denzel would have been good in this. Also, Robert Duvall and Gene Hackman were uh, in talks to be Detective Somerset. Uh, but all Damn, right. They went through a lot of people for landing on this. But I was going to say, the only thing about this movie that dates it is the room covered in newspaper that the dogs stay in and apparently never leave. Oh, there's like a pager. Uh, yeah. There's like a, this pagers in the movie. There's like hmm. things like that. But yeah, that is something people don't do anymore. We don't have newspapers yeah, so much, weird. And, and it's fucking disgusting. You let your dog piss in a room. Um, or just like keep them in a room of newspapers in an apartment building. It was just seems so surreal. It's like that was, was like, a yeah, thing. Paper training, I remember, yeah. was a thing. It's like people would train their dog mm-hmm. to just piss on newspaper. Um, mm-hmm. But that's uh, that's not gonna. The newspaper's not gonna soak it all up. It's just gonna be wet on your floor. I yeah. never understood that. Sorry. I mean, like I always think of Big Daddy. How Big Daddy would put newspaper mm-hmm. down on any spill or any. The kid puke and he'd put down a newspaper. Yeah. Um, but all right, all right. Do you have anything you want to say about this movie before we give it a score? Uh, I obviously gave it the All American Classic tag. Uh, no, it's really good though. And if you if you haven't seen this, I'd say it's a staple of this this genre of film. And the ending uh, is 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 amazing. Um, yeah, the ending. I I feel a little strange about the ending of the next film, but this one, um, is perfect. And uh, you should. Definitely I would say that check it out the best acting in this movie is that whole ending scene everyone's firing on all cylinders morgan freeman specifically i was like oh my god i feel like i've never seen you in this light like and he slapped like, yeah, all that, that, i think the thing is so subdued through the whole movie and then he's like he breaks his composure because he's even trying to stay yeah. cool in front of kevin spacey like he doesn't want to seem like weak or but he doesn't want to mm-hmm. kevin spacey be able to read him so i mean so because then you can be manipulated and um yeah, and then he slaps him in the face and is freaking out, screaming. I'm like, wow, yeah. he's broken by <laughs> this. That backhand he gave to Kevin Spacey, though, was so awesome, though. Like, I, uh, I, when it happened, I visibly was just like, oh, like, it, it was, oh, so good. So shut good. Up. As always, shut yeah, up. <laughs> I know, but it was perfect. It was just, and then it, 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 like, accompanied with the backhand. It was just ex- everything you wanted to in that moment. Um, but yeah, it's uh, everything. Anything that I had like weird feeling in the beginning of the movie, by the end of it, like settled in and everything is just so perfect. And it's just, uh, de- yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen it, this is up there with uh, with movies that are must must haves in the home. Um, well, what are you giving it? 
I think I'm at a, I think I'm at a four and a half. This is really good. This is my kind of movie. I just can't. There's just something that I can't think of why it would keep me from a perfect, but I just, I don't feel as strongly as I have about other perfects I've given. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna give it a four and a half also. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know uh, what I'm giving it a four and a half for, not a five. It just doesn't feel. It feels. I think maybe because it's a little bit, it's pulpy, and it's definitely a little. Um, I don't know. It's it's like it's like that comic booky. It's ed- like edgy thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, and it it's not on the level of like a Matrix to me, even though it's, you can't compare those movies. Um, but just something from around the time, um, or even even I don't even know if I like this. Like it's on the level of like Requiem for a Dream or something like that for me. For sh- I think, um, it's mm. just the ending is probably one of the best endings for a movie. Um, yeah, ever. <laughs> Um, but all right. All right. Um, I'm ready to move on. Let's talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo. So the thing about the dragon. So I honestly, for the longest time thought that this movie was a Hannibal movie (laughs) because there is, because there's, um, red dragon, you know, the Hannibal movie, red dragon. Yeah. 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 And I think when they, this movie came out and some of the advertising for it and knowing that it was also a murder mystery, kind of movie which is what Hannibal's Hannibal is um uh so I, I don't know why I thought that it was and I just but I didn't see a Hannibal in and I saw Daniel Craig and this is Daniel Craig I think towards was he James Bond by this point I think he was oh uh, yeah this is 2011 so I believe what was the first James Bond not Quantum of Solace that's the second one uh Casino Royale yeah Casino Royale um, but yeah, so Daniel Craig actually, you know what is funny? Daniel Craig and Christopher Plummer are both in this. And do you know what movie that they are both in that is more recent? Nice Christopher though. Plummer's last role. He's the old man in this film that hires Daniel Craig. Mm. That's a hint. No, nothing. Knives out. Knives out. Boom. Did you spoil? Did oh, you I Google said, it? yeah, I, no, I, I said it earlier. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I didn't, yeah, yeah. not heard me. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes, knives out. They're both in knives out, and I could, I can't, I can't lie to you. In my head, I just made it a headcanon that this was a prequel to, uh, to Knives Out. This not a prequel. This came out first. He this moved. was that that uh, Knives Out is a spiritual successor to the girl with the dragon tattoo. They're both mystery, they're both crime mystery films with Daniel Craig solving the mystery, and Christopher Plummer is involved with hiring him. Actually, hires him in both movies. Yeah, so what happened is Daniel Craig leaves Europe after the end of this movie, goes to Louisiana, yeah. and you know, gets, indoctrinates himself, you know, gets the accent real thick, changes his identity for God knows why, and then ends up in Knives Out. And, I, and I'm all Honestly, I kind of want to know if uh, if Ryan Johnson had any of that in mind when he made Knives Out. It's obviously a different film. Yeah. There's a lot that overlaps, uh, which we just mentioned. Um, so much that I uh, that you could fit the movies together. Um, this tonally though is much, much different. Honestly, this tonally is strange. Um, it is not. It 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 gets super dark. Obviously, anyone that has seen this movie knows that there are particular. There are a couple of particular scenes that are extremely graphic. Um, and you uh, um, require trigger warning. If any of the audience have not seen this episode yet, um, there is um, scenes of sexual violence and rape. 
Um, there's one in particular that is awful, and no, not not awfully done, just awful to see. And um, yeah, oh my, extremely. And uh, and but the movie shifts like through these tones, uh, and it's mostly dark and serious. But uh, th- uh and there's a particular part like that is gets almost action movie. Uh, related where there was a motorcycle chase and a big explosion and the main character one of the main characters is looking away from the explosion literally in a pose all cool um you know what i'm talking about i think uh, towards the end of the movie how do you not know what i'm talking about is the big uh, yeah we're talking about across the bridge at the end of the movie when the guy the killer dies and the car blows up yeah yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They go I just across don't know the, how you the can confuse bridge. it with anything else. I'm just making sure we're thinking of the right thing. Because uh, I don't remember her walking away post when the explosion happened. I, yeah, I she, she looks away with gun in her hand. She's looking away with gun in her hand as the explosion mm-hmm. happens. Like, it is obviously supposed to be, like, this action pose moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she was watching the explosion. Then she, like, turns the gun and safety on and then... Uh, and then it's uh, like leaves. Well, she looks at it and then she looks away and there's like this hold. Like there is this moment. Yeah, where yeah, yeah, a yeah, pose yeah. In front of an explosion. Yeah, I thought you meant like she's doing the 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 generic walk away like while the well, explosion. It, it like, literally, it, but it almost it is. feels like that. Like it, yeah, I get what it's you're saying. definitely it's definitely uh, spiritually the spiritually that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I, it's like true. I remember Bad like husband. what the fuck. I literally said that out loud and it's like, and they've established it earlier in the film tone, like the same thing. Like after you have this horrible graphic rape scene, um, that is just awful. It's like really, I think what turns it on its head is that, you know, the victim just like storms back into the place, fucks the guy up and like just takes over his life and is like fuck you it is like her therapist and ward or whatever like who's like what yeah, like has the caretaker or something i don't know what you yeah, call it, that's it. but um uh, but then she like gets the upper hand and and dominates him and it's supposed to be like it's definitely a, a metaphor for you know taking uh back from your abuser and from your victim uh like not being a victim and, and whatnot and uh and then there's people out there that could definitely articulate this stuff much better than I can. But I know that that's what it's kind of getting at. And, um, and it is powerful to see, like she gets, she takes her power back and she's a strong character. She's a very strong, um, character, but then it like kind of, she, she, there's just like this burst of like superhuman ability. She's all, she's a genius also. Um, but she like, you know, just gets really driven, has a plan, it makes it happen, and it's pretty much can't be fucked with. And then, like this, the the scene I'm talking about with the explosion later, and she's like chasing the. There's this huge car car chase, and not huge, but there's a car chase, and yeah, the the, the vehicle explodes. Like she shoots him to make him wreck, and and whatever, and um, it's just very over the top in these brief moments. You know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Um, the it has like a weird uh back and forth because the moments that aren't over the top and extreme are very stretched out and like eerie and like weird, like uncomfortable feeling, especially the ones with uh Rooney Mara or characters Liz, Liz Beth, Liz Beth, yeah. Um, and everything is just made to feel like 
at least from her perspective, it's so, or not her perspective, like when we're following her parts of the story, so um, just like uncomfortable is the only thing I, I can think of. I always just feel like, because that's supposed to be how everyone is like around her is feeling by the way she looks or whatever. Um, I think it, it did a really good job in, in, in doing that. And I think that, that helps heighten up those uh, over-the-top scenes. Like when she, specifically when she comes back after the, um, the, the, the rape scene with her, I just kept saying it was a conservator, but it's essentially like the same thing. Um, it just became like, it reminded me of parts of that movie, Nymphomaniac, where it has like the part two of that movie has the main character going back and just doing a lot of crazy violent things. Um, but this, uh, uh, the way that they do it. And then she just assimilates right back into the normal work life and everything with Daniel Craig. It always, it just feels like, uh, is this what this whole girl's background has been the entire time? And I, I, I love that it asks like the they. I had tons of questions leading after this. Obviously, this is based on a book series that didn't. Well, they didn't don't reveal her backstory until like halfway through all. the movie. Yeah. No, they do. They said that she killed her oh, father. He... Attempted to burn to eighty yeah, percent. Attempted to burn. Yeah, but, she attempted to kill her but that's father. That's Um, we don't know we, why. We don't know any other details. Yeah, I, I don't think those are really necessary. Um, it's just like we have a a, a reason why she was here, and it, it, there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot about the abuse. Uh, like people that get put into systems that get abused by them and are, are like kept mm-hmm. under them and not able to, you know, become regular people anymore. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, she's definitely an example of that. And she's, you know, fighting back against that, the system that is kind of holding her down. Um, what is interesting about this movie is that there is two, like for the first half there, Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig's stories are pretty much independent. Um, almost pretty much, pretty much independent. So you're kind of like experiencing two movies at once for a while. And like Daniel Craig is most of it, but then you keep getting these scenes back with Rooney Mara and they're like building to something and you're just not sure. And eventually, and then it becomes predictable that they cross about halfway through the movie. And Daniel Craig's like, Hey, you want to work, help me find this killer. Um, so I can clear my name. And, um, and yeah, so I guess we should explain that Daniel Craig is a journalist uh, who is um, tried to put out a story about a powerful CEO and then got sued for libel and lost, or and, and he lost. And uh, so he's trying to solve this murder to help clear his name because it. I don't know. It's like it's related and um, um, and it's just like yeah, the beginning, of the steps of like building, rebuilding his career, but then it becomes you know more than that, and it's about taking this guy down, like the CEO of this company down, and it's like two stories kind of in one. Like the murder mystery is a small, like it's like the bigger thing, but it's uh, like bigger to us, the audience, but it is kind of inside of the buns of the story about this this company, like Wernerstrom or whatever. And, uh, and like, and what they're, they're, they've done with Daniel Craig. It's a very interesting way to do all that because, um, I think you, you and I talked briefly or, or in the beginning of this episode about, uh, anyone who doesn't like the three act or anyone who is all about the three act structure may not like this. Yeah. Um, this is not for people that mainly watch Marvel movies, <laughs> uh, because they are, this is not structured like that. Um, I not only yeah, honestly, they, I'm not saying that to be facetious because I usually, even though I usually do make comments like that, uh, but I actually was watching uh, a video about the this movie afterwards, and they're comparing, mm-hmm. you know, the the structure of this to Marvel, like a a typical 
um, mm. a Marvel movie that is has to be formula like not like even if it's different, it is structured virtually the same. Um, and this yeah, is yeah. a genre that everyone is familiar with, and they've been making movies in since movies were made. Um, but you know, it's trying to approach it in an atypical way. Um, and it does, and it it largely succeeds. But there is some. I honestly, I usually have an issue when the movie is telling me when the movie is playing the beats that the movie is over, and the movie keeps going. And mm-hmm. like, if I'm not super super invested on what the movie continues after that, I start to lose some of my interest. And that happened mm-hmm. to me after they got the killer. And that like, mm-hmm. it just felt like this extended epilogue. And um, yes, that's exactly what I thought. And so I actually saw an interpretation of it, where it's like its own story, like it's like a sequel to this to the first story, and it's like a small, I guess, which is what an epilogue is, I guess. Um, but it's like it has its own three act structure within this small thing and it's Rooney Mara's the protagonist and she is trying, she realizes she has feelings for Daniel Craig and you know, she goes and, or she, then she does this big ass plan to take down the company and, um, it, it, like it all started with him being okay with giving her fifty thousand dollars. Like no one's ever trusted her like that before, and like that was when she knew that he she actually had feelings for him. Like if you see her face, she like gets real big, mm-hmm. and even though she asks really bluntly, like she's surprised he accepts so quickly. Um, and then by the end, sees that Daniel Craig is back with his baby mama wife. I don't know what Robin Wright is to him. I know. Oh, she, so she she is. Uh, well, he is her mistress, if that makes sense, like a male mistress. They, they say earlier in the movie that he's uh, in the opening scene when they're talking about his like, what do you know about him? That's not in the report. Um, Daniel Craig, they said, is divorced with a kid and Robin Wright is married and they have still married and they have an Wait affair minute. together. Oh, wow. So Daniel Craig is is is, is already divorced from his wife and everything. Robin Wright is having an affair with. OK, him that with, makes sense. Uh, OK, that makes much more yeah. sense. Um. But in the end, Rooney Mara sees them holding hands and then decides to like throw out the the gift she got for Daniel Craig. A leather jacket. A leather jacket, and she just rides off into the sunset. Um, mm. Or not in the sunset, but just rides off into the distance. Um, and it's interesting. To, it's interesting. But um, and on, here's actually a good part to bring this up. Is this movie, did you know, it was intended to be a trilogy? Yep. They set it's up, a book trilogy. They set up several characters that that do nothing they're only meant to be set up for future movies yeah, uh, like one Rick of flag. them is joel yeah joel kinnaman <laughs> is one of them i've red flag i knew that's what you'd know mess um, he has one line he's robocop too i think he's at the very end of the movie um yeah he's one line at the very end of the movie i was like that's joel kinnaman um there mm. was somebody earlier too i can't remember the actress's name they were at like some dinner party in the beginning and she had a scene with daniel craig and they were talking um, and she supposedly comes back and I, the therapist guy is involved more in the future movies. So whatever reason they did not decide to make a sequel. I wanted to look at the box office. Apparently the movie made a hundred million dollars on a um, 90 million budget. So, Oh, then that's why the movie didn't make. And I think Avengers came out like a month later and made, you know, broke fucking records. So, um, yeah. Studios, I think, just saw that and were like, nobody wants a an R-rated franchise. 
like that's like grounded in the real world like they want superheroes um this is probably around the same time that like movies uh movie companies they saw the success of the MCU and they're just like we can make a universe about everything anything like we can make mm-hmm. the 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 universal monsters universe the dark universe or whatever like we can make yeah them about anything um, and I think that that's what this was supposed to try to be. Um, and not like a universe, but um, like sequel, you know, a, a franchise. Universe. And yeah. uh, this is based on book series. Uh, I think it's a trilogy of books. Um, and I think they even Did tried they... to make a show out of this a couple of years ago. A few years a, ago. A, 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 I think it's Swedish or Swiss movie was made for this, like two years before this movie came out. Um, like a full oh. dragon tattoo movie. It had a budget. I looked it up before. Oh we started. yeah, no, I think I saw that. I think I saw that. That that some people think that the Swedish version is better. Um, yeah. The I always remember when this was getting advertised. I kept thinking, like, wait, didn't this already come out? Like, I know it didn't come out in the U.S., but I had just seen, um, you know, just talk about the movie like being made already over there because the the book was so uh, popular. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like this, but with one ninth the budget. Um, but it's almost like I, I saw a video of it yesterday that was showing like just shot for shot comparisons between the two, and it's just like the 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 foreign one is is a lot more just straightforward conventional filmmaking, and then this one is just like so many things are more dragged dragged out and stretched out, and other things are. Hey. Oh uh, yeah, I read the, that he the, did change some shit from the book too. Like, and there are people that they consider. I've read that there are a lot of people that consider this to be better than the book because of the way that the story is told. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I I don't know, but I think that it's interesting. Um, this is not. I'm just gonna get this out of the way. Um, this is not my favorite David Fincher movie. But it's, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's bad. I don't even, I think it's good. I think it is a good movie. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I think it's just hard when you're standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, like I, I don't even think I used that right, but in the shadow of giants, um, like, you know, like seven or gone girl or whatever. Um, it's good. It is good. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, I would probably want to watch it again. Uh, I would be down to watch it again just to pick up on stuff. Uh, we didn't talk about Skarsgård. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård is really good in this. Uh, like he's mm. very subtle. He just he plays like a normal guy, and then when he's revealed as the killer, he's like, "Holy fuck, this guy sucks! <laughs> uh, like this guy is evil as shit." Um, yeah, his it, turn is intense. Yeah, it's very really cool. He's then I get why he gets honestly. When he was getting cast as certain things, I'm like, why do people like? I only ever saw him in like Thor and like uh, where he's a goofball and um, and yeah. other things. And now I've seen some more, and I get it. Like he's a very good actor. Um, he's the head of the Skarsgård clan. Yeah, so uh, he was he in. Uh, good. I, have you seen Nymphomaniac Part One and Two? No, I've uh, seen other Lars von Trier. It's uh, things. it's really good. It's People very, like it's, it's, it's very graphic, but it's very good. Lars von Trier mm. is known as like very challenging, but like if you're a film, it's like a fil- he's like a film buffs guy, you know. Like if you're yeah. really into movies, uh, pretentious movies, you usually say Lars von Trier is one of your favorite filmmakers. Um, I definitely yeah, would like I w- to see uh, more of his stuff. I've only seen Antichrist. Um, I haven't seen that, but it's I'd got like to. Will that's part of the and it's lots of. The 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 lady from Nymphomaniac, uh, the main one. I don't know if she's. I think she's the main one. 
but she is uh, one of the leads in Antichrist. Gotcha. There's two leads for Nymphomaniac because of the time the time variance between both movies. Uh, there's one girl who's like the most of part one, and then part two starts with like a five or Charlotte ten times Charlotte Gainsborough. That's who it is. Um, but uh, I think you would like it. It's 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 it kind of this kind of reminds me of it in 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 a few ways. Um, especially on how it looks. Selen Skarsgård in that movie too. Uh, does a really good job has a heel turn moment as well, but it's very quick. And it's at the very last, like three minutes of the movie. And it's, it's really interesting. Part one is significantly better than part two though. I will yeah. say that I watched it the four and a half hours straight in one go. And it was an experience. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Enough for Lars von Trier. <laughs> Let's talk sorry, about this movie. But, <clears throat> but I like this movie though. I, I went into it thinking I wasn't going to, to be honest. I'm like, I kind of, uh, I hate the, the look of the of Lizbeth, like the whole like she's off, so we're gonna make her like all black leather with piercings and all this stuff. And it's like I guess that's I how the know. character is. Um but I, mm. I do agree that it is uh I think by twenty eleven even that this that the look is a little dated. Um it's very much like a two thousands goth look. Um you know, uh, and like, like if you they, saw someone dressed like that in the office, I wouldn't think that it'd be in like and I don't know. I don't know. I don't what? like. I just don't think it, it. I think the look is dated of it, like for being the top researcher, like person or whatever. I don't know. I just don't know. Wait, if do you like... think that a top researcher can't have piercings and black hair? No, not like that. But just the way that, like, um, I think I, I think it's what you're saying. The look is so aged that it just doesn't seem. Not, not. I don't want to say corny, but it just doesn't work. It, it, it had, I had a hard time settling into the film with it because of it. Does that make sense? I don't know if it does. It just sounds like you can't see a punk person playing a genius hacker or something. Like when that's like normally who it looks like. The, I mean, I wouldn't say, I don't know. It's just, it's very, I I don't know it could be because it's so stark compared to the rest of everything in the film. You know, she looks drastically different than everything and around her intentionally. That's that's Uh, part of it. But, uh, I don't know. The I also have a hard time with movie like and this is just something that's as I've gotten older is with um you know like when we were twenty three and the people we knew and were around like obviously there were prodigies and stuff but like the, I guess her character is supposed to be twenty three and I just find I I I I've been finding this in certain um in like animes too with like when you're realizing how young the age is of certain people it's kind of hard to get into that realm of believability but uh, I, I mean, don't think twenty three so. is that's somebody who's graduated college. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's, it just seems it now it's not like it's a child. 30, it's it not like young. it's a. It seems young. Yeah, I don't, I don't for all the stuff for all the stuff that she's able to like the like the character's able to do and everything and like you know she stole billi- two billion dollars. It sounds like that you're trying to say scene. without trying to say that she's like a Mary Sue or something. I uh, I don't know. Mary Sue is a, is a character that just like a female character that can just like, do shit. Yeah. Uh, no, because it's not as if this would have been a guy or whatever. It would have been the same. I would have the same thing. It's just like the age. Oh, a guy can be a Mary Sue too. No, oh, well, okay, then yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like it feels young. It feels extra young uh, now. Looking back at thirty, like being when looking back at when we were that age, it just seems like uh hard to be relatable. But it's like I said, it's a movie and the suspension of disbelief. I think the performance is great, and I think like I'm in for the ride. 
after the first like half hour or so. But mm-hmm. um, you know, there's that, that settling in point in the first bit. Um, but I'm, which I'm guessing you didn't have that that same. Yeah, you always in. have like this. I, I mean, I'm bringing up like every episode, but you, always in this beginning, it's always like the settling in. I don't have that because I just try to go into a movie blank and let the movie happen. Like well, I, am you blank, always try, I always sounds in, like you're fighting against what the movie impre- is, like with your own with no, what you want it to be. It's first impressions versus where it goes. But but like, like your descriptions of how actors you think they should be and oh, Morgan Freeman I think is like this, so it's weird that he's in this movie. Or I think Brad Pitt's like this, so it's weird that he's doing this. In no, this movie. Well, it's the same it's the same thing that when you say that, you know, it's a trope and movie that we've seen done in so many things and we go and watch the first one, does it have the same impact? It's like in that sort of way where you've seen things from this actor, this person that do certain yeah, things. Yeah, I say that though not. to not do that. I say that to hmm. so it does not happen. To, to it recognizing yeah, well, that's it why I was, so that you yeah. don't attach uh, a, 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 an expectation to something. Uh, um, yeah, all right, that's fine. That's fine. I just uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pointing it out when I hear it. That's all. Um, but uh, <laughs> but now I understand. I understand. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about with this movie? Um, I, I think something that's interesting is that the um, <clears throat> the place that Daniel Craig is staying is like on it's like on this like it's like rich people land, and they all kind of live in this like little community, but they have all, all of a mm. lot of land, so it's there's space, huge space between each. Uh, place and like they're introduced the Christopher Plummer is like introducing all of the players in this town or whatever you want to call it this um, mm. plan I don't it's know a, it's an island island yeah private, yeah. yeah so they yeah, the, the island the private island and um, he's like oh well they don't talk to them and they don't talk to them it's like it's like a running joke they're like oh well I don't talk as you know I don't talk to him I'm just like well I'm gonna need you to do that like he's like oh well could you please once for me. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I like that. There's a lot of interviewing in the, in the first, like in the first half of the movie or like in the middle mm-hmm. of the movie is a lot of like Daniel Craig sitting down with somebody and talking to them. Um, like former Nazis are, uh, several characters in the film. Um, um, I think Stellan Skarsgård is some like I think his dad is like a former or is like a Nazi or something uh, or uh, and then he mm. his dad is basically a serial killer rapist and then um his sister kills the dad and then Stellan Skarsgård kind of takes his place as the the serial killer rapist. Um now d- did you think that uh what is her name Anita uh the the woman who lives in London did you think she was Harriet at the moment that they like introduce that character because I did, and I rarely I feel like see the end coming. Um, in these I, kind of movies. honestly, I didn't, but I think it's because I wasn't like that. I, I I really was not um hooked into the mystery that like I was hooked in, like I wanted to watch it unfold, but I wasn't not actively mm-hmm. trying to solve it for some reason. I did just think like, the way that I ended up watching the movie. Um, mm. though, uh, so I, I didn't do that, but I think that, that, that I could see that I could see that for sure. Um, the, uh, the, I will say though, I was, I was more surprised by the, uh, Skellen, Stellan Skarsgård heel turn. Um, like obviously it's obvious as day once he shows up to the house that it's going to happen. But prior to that, he, he'd, 
been so helpful and everything and obviously yeah throw yeah you off. yes it was that that is the whole bet that is the best part of the, about the movie and the scene with Selden Skarsgård is the best part and and like even before that Daniel Craig is creeping through his house when he's not there and there's like this eerie wind sound that is like coming through one like a crack in the door these glass doors and it's just so it's like annoying but creepy at the same mm. time and it just keeps going and then even when Skarsgård shows up it's still in the background and it's just like god someone shut that fucking door uh mm. <laughs> and then i think eventually you go like go into the basement or something and it goes away but that's when we know every you know we now know that he's the killer um i will another thing i will say about this movie and this is a thing with a lot of crime like mystery kind of film zodiac has a lot of this too which is a fincher film is you're gonna have scenes of people at a library uh looking at fucking news old newspapers and microfilms mm-hmm. like it just in like this happens several times we're just looking at pictures we're just looking at um the computer screen mm-hmm. we're just looking at newspapers we are looking we're at a library um and it is a trope of the genre and um it's okay i understand that this is gonna have you gotta fucking research research is a part of solving a mystery but boy was it just like okay every I, i'm looking at the, i look over at the screen and um they're just going through they're on a the laptop like i feel like that is one gripe yeah. i give is there's just so much researching and i get that, that that's a part of the movie and her being able to process information so quickly is like her thing like that's what's helping them figure this out is because she's really good at par- uh, uh, analyzing data um, but it just felt like, uh, how many computers, I, it got to a point where I was not paying attention to what was being revealed on these screens because it just became generic, mm-hmm. uh, pictures of old people, like pictures from the sixties, newspaper shit, uh, rape, mm-hmm. torture, rape, torture, rape. Like this, this list of women and just rape, torture beside their names. Um, yeah. The one part in the movie when she's at the library or wherever researching, and they just keep showing the uh, the like Nazi guy giving a speech, and they're like, they have this like, oh, I figured it out moment, and I'm just like, who the fuck was that? Who the fuck? Like, what am I? What? Are, who am I even looking at right now? Yeah, uh, that's where I, I was. I, 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 yeah, I you get lost in it. Like, that's it's, why it's I so... turned off my my mystery solving brain because it just like I was getting lost in it. And I was like, uh, I was just let it, I just let the tide wash over me and, and, uh, stop trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. And yeah, I personally, honestly, I, I assumed that Skarsgård was related, somehow related to the murderer since he was like, a, um, he's like a bigger name out of the other, the actors, um, that he was interviewing and considering, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. The movie's good. It's just, I think that, um, it's just not great, maybe. Or it's not like... Uh, it's just not like this legendary thing. I think it's really good. It's really entertaining. If you're into these kind of movies, you should 100% watch it. Um, because it's it'll scratch those itches for you, for sure. Um, other than, obviously, the gruesome violence and, and rape. Uh <laughs> The not the laugh after saying that, but like that is a like that could be the thing it's that very, makes you not want to watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, it is very very. Can we talk about the cat? Watch. Can we talk about? The yeah, cat? yeah. So um, uh, Corey is a is a new cat owner. I am a cat owner, and I have a, a strong bond with my boy. 
And boy, the cat was my favorite character of this movie. And just like, oh, there he is. He's so fun. He's so cute. And he's like, yeah. oh, let him in the window. And like, that's how it is with like people that stay in guest houses. Like, there might be just like some like barn cat, some uh, stray cat that gets attached to the people that live in the guest house. So it's just like they have a new owner every time someone comes to stay in the guest house. And so I was just like, you know, I thought it was an innocuous thing. Like the cat wasn't going to be anything. The cat was just living at this house. And then about about after the halfway point, probably like. Maybe not even two th- two thirds way through because the of the extended ending, but oh, we yeah, find the, the cat decapitated the and its arms and legs are ripped off and bent into a swastika. Um, I don't know if you noticed that that it yep. was a swastika. I didn't notice. I didn't notice it was a swastika. I just saw the broken legs and no head, and it was. It was oh my god! Was, I literally screamed sucks. at the TV. Oh. I was like, no! And I was like, I called for my cat. I was like, Coop, come here! I need to hug you. <laughs> Um, he came. Coop comes when I call. It's it's your cat also already knows her name so well. Yeah, um, she's she's the really fact smart. That she responded to me, and I am just a stranger. You know, is, that means it's in. Yeah, I'm glad. That's what her name was at the shelter. So we figured we'd just keep it. I think. It, I think. You, well, yeah, you you can't change now. She knows that name. Mm. Um, but all right. Do you have anything else that you want to add about the? I- this movie i can't help but feel that if you chop just like i felt with the irishman if you chop off that half hour epilogue how much more satisfying would the uh, ending the epilogue is what makes it different though like the, the yes i feel like the movie would be significantly less special without it though it was not my favorite part it is what makes it not a typical uh, mystery movie Agreed, but it but in in driving the length of this movie to two hours and forty minutes, I think it's it, too it, long. It is too long. More of a detriment than 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 it. it I I, to, I just think the act the act structure is what makes it so special. The way the story is told, mm-hmm. um, that's probably like to do that. You probably need a little bit more length. Um, I don't know if I would like I said. I don't think that it wears the time well. Um, but I also wasn't like incredibly bored. I wasn't like God. When's this? Like I did not look at the clock and be like, "When's this gonna end?" Like I was able During to watch it. When I did that. The epilogue yeah. was when I was checking out for sure. But it, and like I knew that the, the epilogue was only like twenty. It was probably about twenty minutes. It wasn't even a full half hour. I don't think. It was almost thirty. It was. It, it, it comes in around the two ten mark, two fifteen mark. Um, well, yeah, the hour. The movie's two thirty eight. And like it's. Uh, what I was gonna say was like, it, like it, it's awesome getting to watch more of Rooney Mara's character like do her thing and really like flex what she can do. But there's no time spent with that that uh, the CEO guy, the criminal guy, enough to care about anything that's really happening to him. Daniel Craig's not really involved in any of it at this point. Yeah, it's it's just it feels it feels like a different movie. It's like it's the same. It feels like a sequel or like a side story. Um, like a rush, like a condensed down to like 20 minutes. Uh, that's what, and then that's what I've gathered about it. That's what it's supposed to be. It's like a condensed, um, like a chapter, like it's a sequel chapter. Yeah. An epilogue. It, it is an extended epilogue regardless of what, I don't know what it's qualified, uh, qualifies as or is considered, but I, it's definitely an extended epilogue. Um, because it wraps up the shit from the first part of the movie. It wraps up all the loose ends. I mean, that's a, I think that, it does help it 
is that for it being a thing that's supposed to set up uh, a franchise, it did. Uh, it actually does tie everything up in a bow. Like other than these characters that say one line and don't come back, um, it's. I don't think any of that takes away from the film. It's just like, oh, Joel Kinnaman was an extra. Had a line. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Oh, yeah, yeah. That Joel Kinnaman is an extra. But uh, but this. Um, uh, but it's it's interesting and it what makes it really really unique. Um, and I can see like that is a thing to be lauded. Um, but um, it is long. It is long. I and I'm gonna just admit. I will admit that I did not watch it all in one sitting. Um, I watched it in two chunks because I was, That's, I think that I probably it, if helps. You find it long in two ch- if you find it long in two chunks, then I, I didn't know find it long. It. I didn't find it long, but I could feel, I could tell that it was a long movie. Like I wasn't bored. It was just like, I, I started to check out in the, in the epilogue, but it wasn't that I was like bored. I didn't want to watch anymore. I wanted to turn it off. Um, I wasn't looking at the clock. It was just like, okay, I'm less invested in this as I was in the who the murderer was. Yeah, I would love your. I would have loved your fresh take if you got to see this in one sitting. Uh, thoughts would be because I feel like that does change like the opinion on how the pacing and things of the movie work. If if because if it comes more episodic, watching it in chunks, that's a lot easier to retain and go because we're conditioned from all the hour long shows that people binge. Yeah, um, but it's like it's it's hard because episodes like have a structure of themselves. Whereas if you just pause a movie halfway through, or not even halfway, but if you pause a movie at random spots and come back, like it's some it is hard to pick back up versus a TV show. Um, I actually watched a, several things twice because of that, um, but. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I only had, I had to do it for time because I was busy. But uh, it's um, I don't know. I think it's good. I I don't uh, I don't mind the length, but it's also I I recognize that it is very long. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? Uh, do you think that it deserved the sequel it didn't get? Yes. I don't think I don't think I, it would I don't think the money that financially is sustainable but um but yes I would have loved to see them finish this. Me too. I I really like aesthetically and I is even though I dogged on the epilogue I do like this kind of unique story structure. Um I would be down to watch more like the two more of these just to see where at least one more to see where it would be going. Cause they do, like you said that it covers the loose end. So there's no really like setup for what is going to be the next movie. Um, the little that I've looked at seems like it's more about Lisbeth than, than uh, Daniel Craig's character that like, mm-hmm. I th- that might, this story might be the end of the story for Daniel Craig's character. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Um, yeah, I would have been interested. Obviously, Rooney Mara is awesome, um, and she's in a lot of great stuff. Um, and uh, but yeah, what are you giving the girl with the dragon tattoo? Mm, I'm torn between a three and a half and a four, but I That's, think I'm gonna go I'm three. Same. And a half. I'm gonna say four, but I think it's close. Um, a lot of cool stuff in here, but it's it's. I have I feel like I've too many not there are too many not gripes but like things I didn't like about it to knock a, knock it down. Um 
All right. Um, so, yeah, all right. That, that about wraps it up. Um, and next week we are doing West Side Story and uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So more long movies for y'all. You guys ask for long movies, we pick them. Uh, this is to be this is to be uh, for Oscar prep, um, and uh, I'm excited to do the rest. Once we get past West Side Story, I'm excited to do the rest of them because there's some good stuff. I really want to see Drive My Car. Really, 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 really want to see it. Um, so that's yeah, cool. Based on how good the Oscar movies we've seen are, I'm very excited to see the rest of these. Except for West Side Story, I, I you know I don't like musicals, but um, I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, it'll be, I think from what I've heard of it, it is shot really, really well. So as far as somebody like yeah. you that watches uh, bad Michael Bay movies for research, this should just put it in that category. Cool. <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love the cinematography. I like, I think uh, I, I like I, this is, this is supposedly really pretty and colorful and like, uh, like has like, uh, whatever. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Um, so, all right, that wraps it up for the best boys. Make sure that you like and subscribe and follow us on all the things. Um, you can follow us on, uh, best boys film pod on Instagram and, uh, Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can follow me at slop Thomas uh, on everything and Corey at Corey with a story with the K and, uh, yeah, next week is West side story and close encounters of the third kind Spielberg. And this was a Finch, a Finchy episode. And that's that. Have a good night, y'all. Peace. And the Batman, March 2nd. Or is it March 2nd or 4th? Or oh, yeah, well, no, we're doing Batman next week. I lied. No. Um, Batman's next yeah, week. Because I, I, I fi- you said those two, so I just figuring, oh, we'll probably just watch Batman on our own and then just, you know, save it for whatever. No, uh, we're doing Batman. I'm, I'm still recording, so they're hearing this. All we're right, doing Batman. Uh, Bye. In Cloverfield. Batman and Cloverfield. Batman and Cloverfield. Um, we're sneaking Matthew in. Reeves. We're cheating. We're, I don't think Matt Reeves is qualified enough for this podcast. But uh, I, so. I don't. But I think he's close. But I don't, he's not on a level of these other fellas and ladies. Um, he's he no Jane Campion. He's he's no Jane Campion. Let's say that. But I want to see this fucking movie, and I let, and uh, I don't care. It's just like you. What happens is if you let in this movie, like should we have done Far From Home or whatever the the whatever. I think this is different because it, of the because that the was look, cr- that uh, was lauded that was lauded uh, the Spider the yeah it's, it's a phenomenal movie but it's it's a Spider Man movie built on the backs of twenty other movies I agree I agree it, and we did do Eternals yeah. also yeah but that oh, yeah, was we because we literally it, it was just to force in Nomadland that was the only reason we did Eternals is because we wanted to do yeah. Nomadland. But I think Matt Reeves gets it because, like, while some I don't know if you've seen Planet of the Apes movies, I think they're good. But really, Cloverfield brought back modern found footage. But he's got to do more than that. You got to have more than just one movie. No, but um, kicking off, re-kicking off an entire genre with your movie, I think, is still like a big like thing to laud in itself. I mean, the, the people lauding uh, what's that that found footage movie from a few years ago? Um, oh fuck, what's it called? 
with superheroes. These teens got superpowers that no one remembers the movie. Oh, anymore. Chronicle. Yep, yep. Chronicle. That, that's a, yeah, another uh, sucky director. I don't remember that movie. Another yeah, director Josh that sucks. Is a, the, uh, yeah, Josh Trank, I guess, is just super difficult to work with. Um, um, and also Fox, Fox fucked him hard. But yeah. And like, uh, yeah, Planet of the Apes is, is, is not enough. Not enough. Um, but we'll see. Maybe the Batman is going to be the new Christopher Nolan. That is one thing I'm seeing is that uh, is that people think it's just Christopher Nolan Batman over again because it's like really? grounded I, in because re- it's grounded in reality. It's not. There's no yeah. superhero shit that like they were like we've already done this. But I, I'm interested. I'm I'm honestly I'm only giving a shit because of Robert Pattinson and Paul Dano. That's it. And Colin Farrell a little bit. He's but getting right. his own Penguin show on HBO Max. Yeah, I yeah I, I know because DC needs the money because they snow they they realize that if they if they just leave it as a snow dog that people will be pissed. Yeah, apparently yeah, he is I, snow I, dogging I, in this that was movie. Great. It is confirmed that Colin Farrell is a snow dog for this movie. I'm assuming it's the opening scene. Is what yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. After that, it's out. That's what um, I assumed also. Um, but, but I right. think also this is this is a great like the way it's shot and everything looks fantastic. It looks different than all the other Batman movies. Look different than the superhero stuff. All right, it feels like oh yeah. Sorry, I think it looks let's good. can sorry. we talk about it next week? Yeah. All right. 100%. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right. Later. Bye. Part two.